Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy, sports editor for the Frisco Enterprise, Little Elm Journal, and Salina Record, as well as Devin Hassan, sports editor for the Mesquite News and the Rowlett Lake Short Times. And gentlemen, let's keep talking football. Let's continue our uh, our ongoing series of uh, high school football preview podcasts, um, not just in anticipation for the upcoming season, but also in anticipation of the release of Star Local Media's very own uh, annual Gridiron Preview. That is our our all-market football tab that we've been doing now. This will be the sixth year. It'll be released in late August, about a week out from the start of the season. Um, you know, this is, I guess, I mean, obviously I know I'm biased when I say this, but I've said for years this is pound for pound the best thing that this company puts out, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, but just from a quality of content standpoint. I mean, we are, <laughs> we're talking <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So much goes into this, but I mean, it's all worth it. Just the the detail that goes into the the team and district previews that are in this thing, plus the player spotlights, key games, schedules. Once again, that is in our uh, our upcoming 2018 Gridiron preview. Um, so, in anticipation of that, um, like I said on uh, for Monday's podcast, we're going to be doing a series of uh, you know of, uh, of preview pods, previewing the uh, you know the various teams and districts and whatnot, leading up to the start of the uh, of the season in late August. On Monday, we began by talking um, some private school football action and today we're going to shift over to the UIL and um, you know on you know, next week we'll focus more so on you know the large-scale districts and whatnot but for this we're going to talk class 4A simply because we only have three teams in our coverage area <laughs> that fall into the uh, under the class 4A banner so today we're going to talk a little Argyle a little Salina and a little Sunnyvale so um, the way this is going to be structured is we're going to go through and preview those aforementioned three schools um, you know talking about kind of the biggest storyline for each team heading into the season plus kind of our initial outlook what we expect out of um you know out of those teams heading into the season and then um at the very end we're going to each offer up a marquee game on the schedule for each of those three teams that should be on your radar for this coming season and then we're going to close with some predictions we're going to make um we're going to predict the four playoff teams from the uh from those two districts so sunnyvale's district district 54a division two and then the uh the argyle salina district district 74a division one we're going to give you our initial picks for the four playoff teams that'll come out of that district later on in the season so let's start um Devin let's let's start with you with Sunnyvale man always a always a nice deal when you uh you know, when you get a school that's moving up classification, I know, Brian, you're kind of going through the same thing right now with Prosper, making the jump from 5A to 6A, but, uh, you know, Sunnyvale, as they prepare to embark on their first year as a Class 4A program, uh, just talk a little bit about the uh, kind of the biggest storyline heading into the season for the uh, for the Raiders. Well, one thing to note that I wanted to bring up first is mm-hmm. you mentioned the move up in classification, yeah. and there's been a lot of debate in recent years about the decision to split into Division One and Division Two. Uh, something that really hasn't hit our markets quite as much because 
since they don't have it in 6A, and obviously this is the first year of 5A, which has created some storylines with Frisco and stuff that we'll discuss yeah. discuss later. Um, but it really, Sunnyvale is kind of a poster child for why they do this, I think. Um, if you look at the cutoffs for Class 4A, it's the enrollment it goes from 505 to 1,149. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunnyvale checked in right at 528. Wow. So they are just above that cutoff. But when you look around that district, uh, everybody else is similar. Farmersville had 508. They made it by three students. Um, Roosevelt's the biggest school there with 713. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's a, a gap, but not a huge gap. But if you look, if they didn't have the different divisions, there's a possibility they go out to Sline and Argyle. You yeah. have seven, 800 students. You know, they're in the same different district right now with Roosevelt and Lincoln. Um, if they chose to stick them with its other D- Dallas ISD schools, Carter has 1,100 students. And, you know, especially at those lower classifications where debt is always an mm-hmm. issue, when you can pull, you know, pull from a pool of 1,100 compared to a pool of basically 500 students, that makes a huge difference, you know, for football. So I think that's why I think, you know, going back, why the UL decided to split these into two divisions. Mm-hmm. And something, again, I hadn't really looked at closely because it didn't have much of an effect on my schools, but something that, you know, going back and looking at it now, I think it does make a lot of sense. The biggest thing, um, I think, kind of building off of that, at least regarding the 5A split, was like the effect that it had on a school like Lake Dallas, which was kind of in that that situation where they were in a district like 145A, where they were far and away the smallest school in the mm-hmm. district. I mean, the the gap between Lake Dallas and the seventh largest school in the in that 18 district, the gap there was larger than the gap between the largest school, Prosper, and the seventh largest school. So that's I mean, they were I mean, Lake Dallas is you know they're a, a small small 5A. Yeah. So when you factor in the uh, you know the Division One Division Two split, they were the only school from 145A that was shuffled in Division Two, and now they're competing in, you know, against schools like in yeah. Frisco Reedy, like Lovejoy, schools that are a bit more comparable from a size standpoint, and especially in a sport like football, where, as you said, depth can be such a factor. It is, you know, obviously to the to the benefit to be playing against teams that are a bit more, you know, on a, on a level playing field from a depth standpoint. Yeah. So I'm um, then kind of looking in, kind of transitioning then back to uh, to Sunnyvale and just kind of how this uh, how this affects them as they prepare to uh, embark on this uh, this run class four. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of talk a bit about the Raiders and kind of what um, what's on your your radar for them this season. Yeah, in, in the transition, not just in classification, but they're looking at basically an all-new all district. They're, yeah. they're, they're somewhat familiar with, you know, Farmersville, Cattle Mills, teams they played in non-district. They've even been district rivals with but several years ago. Uh, you know, Sunny, but I'm, I'm most interested to see if they can get back to that level where they were from 2014 to 2016. Uh, they went 33-4. and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, They won three straight district titles, uh, made it to the regional final um, in 2015. Uh, this year, I mean, last season, I should say, 7-5, uh, and five, um, a lot of new faces. They had a lot of firepower, especially on offense, to replace. And then there were some growing pains, as you as you know you you would expect. Uh, but they got it together in district, were able to make it back to the playoffs, finished seven and five. They actually made it to the area finals. Um, but with thirteen returning starters, including nine on offense, really just to see if they can get back to that district championship level where they mm-hmm. were just two years ago. Uh, Trip Makeda, he's a junior. He uh, was kind of thrown into the fire as a, as a sophomore starter at quarterback without a lot of proven. Uh, commodities around him. He's kind of following his dad's footsteps. Uh, his dad, Ronnie, was a Mesquite High School football uh, a quarterback mm-hmm. who went on to uh, play at Army. He was a three-year starter at Army and was actually Mr. Irrelevance in the draft in nice. 1997. And before anybody thinks I'm insulting anybody, no, no, that's an honor. Irrelevant is, that, that yeah. is the, the uh, yeah, tongue-in-cheek uh, title given to the final player taken in the NFL yeah. draft. So yeah. be, anybody who's good enough to be taken at any point in time in the NFL draft is a heck of a football player. How so, did his NFL career go? 
Um, well, you know, he he went he was drafted by the Packers and had a swim through training camp and a swim through that kind of stuff, but decided that you know, football wasn't in the future, and you know those. You know those army guys; they kind of get a he- good head on their shoulders. They can move on pretty quick from the uh, <laughs> in, in case they know that that's not their their future. But um, like I say, it was the biggest transition was throwing the ball without an accomplished receiving core. He still ended up throwing for eleven hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns last year. Really made progress as that goes. He's also a good runner, uh, kind of like his dad. His dad was kind of one of those dual threat guys. Uh, rushed for more than a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. So. You know, we'll see if, if, if he has a year under his belt. Uh, he's got his top five returning wide receivers, which is Ooh. obviously going to help oh, yeah, in the passing absolutely. game, uh, led by Trevor Tuttle. Um, in the backfield, there's some questions, uh, but Brian Perry could be the answer back there. He missed all the last season with an injury, uh, but was, you know, showed he's, you know, his sophomore year, he was really kind of one of their dynamic playmakers. And their offensive line should be good. Um, Alex Spera and Sam Bartis, and then you have Marcus Alexander, uh, the 6'4", 295-pound uh, tackle that's headed to Oklahoma, um, you know that's darn right it is. Yeah, that's that's class six A size right there. Though I, I mean, like that's, Oklahoma comes up in every podcast. I know, I know. And, 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 and usually, I'm flanked by a couple. Of, you're an ex Longhorn, and I know you're a Texas fan. Yeah, and yeah, I know. I, I just but I, I read from I, that I, dominance anytime I can. You know, and, and you know, so we'll oh, see. You great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to. I'm, it'll come up later, yeah. um, but. Uh, you know, on defense, they had their front seven does have some holes to fill. They they graduated a lot of their top tacklers up there. Uh, now, again, a lot of those linemen go two ways. So some of those guys are going to fill in the trenches. Uh, they got to go a guy like Cole Flannery. Um, who is one of their top wide receivers. He was, he was expected to kind of come in and be a, a pretty solid linebacker for him. The secondary should be solid with Ethan Aiken, Kendedrick Hall. Uh, they, they were solid last year, and the aforementioned Brian Perry was an all-district defensive back two years ago. But the player that I'm really interested in seeing um, on defense and possibly offense is uh, Devin Sterling. Uh, the, the sophomore last year had 128 tackles. He never liked to draw comparisons to anybody, but especially somebody's older brother. But uh, his older brother, Trey Sterling, um, kind of followed the same path. He was a two-time All-State defensive back, uh, now at Oklahoma State. But his senior year, they transitioned him to, yes, oh, Cowboys. Um, they transitioned him to running back. He rushed for, I think, 2,400 yards with a district MVP while also playing full-time safety, while also being the punter, while also returning kicks. And But they waited until his senior year to do that. Devin Sterling got a handful of touches on offense and kind of showed that same explosiveness. Obviously, 128 tackles from his linebacker spot on defense shows he can do the job there. So he's going to be the focal point of that defense, but I'm really curious to see how much he uh, he, he kind of gets the uh, gets touches on the other side of the ball as well. Besides, you Devin's got to stick together. That's right. <laughs> Especially when you spelt with an I-N. There's not many of us out there. So, yes, you mentioned, you know, th- you know, wanting to see if they could get back to that uh, that district championship level that became, you know, so commonplace in class in Class 3A. From an outlook standpoint, I mean, do you feel like this is a team that could, you know, theoretically do that in their first swim through a, through a 4A district? Or? Uh, you know, I, I think so. It's it's when you look at the, the competition, there's nobody that really jumps out in that district um, in terms of Cattle Mills, Farmersville, Lincoln all made the playoffs last year, but they were short-lived trips, a lot yeah. like Sunnyvale. Uh, they all come in against similar size. Uh, Nevada community 
and Roosevelt both went three and seven. Uh, Community has 15 returning starters, but again, it's hard to see how that's going to translate coming off a three and seven year. Roosevelt has a new coach. Um, you know, the, the three teams that did make the playoff along with Sunnyvale, Cattle Mills, Farmersville, and Lincoln, they all return a sizable nucleus too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think those teams are going to be fairly evenly matched. Now, now the second round, the playoffs, however. <laughs> So then, let's shift gears to uh, talk about the old uh, the old Salina Bobcats, one of the one of the mainstays in Texas high school football lore. Uh, Brian, just talk a little bit about what the biggest storyline is heading into the upcoming Bobcats season. So, for the first time in a long time, Salina is not the favorite in this district, and they're not even the favorite to finish second in this district. Either. It feels weird. Yeah, that's very weird. They lost their first district game in five years since the yeah last year. They lost to Melissa. Mm-hmm. It was their first district loss since 2013. They kind of got embarrassed by Melissa. I was at that game. You knew you were there good with, with Brendan Lewis. He was a sophomore quarterback, sensational quarterback. Uh, Jabari Young, very powerful uh, running back, uh, and very, very, very fast. And those two guys are coming back mm-hmm. this year. Last year, you know, they, they took it to Salina. It was at Melissa. They'll play again this year, but at Bobcat Stadium. I don't think it'll be much different. No offense, Salina. I know I'm going to get some angry phone calls, <laughs> some emails from the, the, the Bobcat Why do you hate Salina all of a sudden, Brian? I love Salina. <laughs> I just think Melissa is a really good football team, and, and a lot of preseason rankings think so as well. They have Melissa 10th in the district. They actually have Salina at 12th. Mm-hmm. Or not in the district, but in, in Division One 4A. Uh, Salina at 12th. And then you have Argyle, you know the big bad, uh, big bad wolf in the district. There, rejoining with Salina um, on the gridiron, they're you know the favorite. You know many people are picking this team to, to go all the way mm-hmm. and, and win a state championship. So obviously Argyle is the favorite in the district. And you'll talk a little bit about Argyle yeah. here in a little bit. But Salina, the the good news for Salina, they returned the quarterback last year. You know they had to replace Connor Pingleton. You know he, he was a f- uh, phenomenal, sensational oh, yeah. quarterback. Absolutely. Led him to the state uh, championship game uh, a couple years before that. Bef- the the season before I, I joined Star Local Media, they used Noah Ross, and you know there's some struggles there on the offense uh, uh, for Salina. Uh, Logan Point was a sophomore running back, and you know there there, <laughs> there weren't many options there at, on the offensive end. The defense was solid. You know Ryan Eberker, Skylar Bohall, Kaysen Highstand, Kagan Roach, who's my player to watch. Not only for this team, but for the district. I think he can threaten the kid from Argyle for, for defensive player. Just better. Um, yeah. yeah. I think he can threaten him for a defensive player of the year in this district. He's got offers from Army and Air Force. Uh, and, you know, Coach Bill Elliott told me uh, a couple weeks ago that, you know, division offers are going to start piling mm-hmm. in for this kid uh, once the season gets rolling. So then, um, just from a from a general outlook standpoint, you know, obviously the the district's going to be a bit a bit trickier this year for Salina. But you know, assuming that they're able to you know keep that, I mean, I'm not even sure how long that playoff streak is of theirs. It's, it's like 28 years, something like something that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I have to go back and look. So, what do you kind of just forecast? Like, what you kind of are expecting out of out of Salina this year? What's your initial outlook on the Bobcats? They'll season? make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They'll go three rounds deep. Yeah. Uh, I can't promise anything after that. <laughs> Unfortunately, they ran into Pleasant Grove last year in the, yeah. in the fourth round. It wasn't – yeah, there was, there was no one was stopping them. Obviously, they went on to win the mm-hmm. state championship. They were the best team in four, hands down. Uh, they'll struggle against Argyle, I'm going to be honest. Um, don't see them beating them, even though last year uh, they did play Argyle. They did play Argyle the last two years in non-district play. They, mm-hmm. you know, they barely lost, 49-34. But, you know, Argyle's going to beat them this year. <laughs> I'm just gonna come out and say Aww. I come in with the hot takes. It's not really a hot take. Argyle's a really good team, and you know, Salina's gonna be gonna be coming out to beat Melissa. They hadn't mm-hmm. lost to Melissa in I think four seasons before that since Melissa won the state title 
back, I think it was 2011 when they won the state title. Uh, but that Salina-Melissa game will be a big play, a game to watch. You know, I could say Salina-Argyle. That's always a, a big game to watch. You know, two big rivals and four, two four-A powerhouses. But I'm going to go with Melissa and Salina as that deciding factor for that second-place team in the district. I think, you know, you know, there's still a month before the season begins. Yeah. Plenty of time till they even, you know, touch the field. Uh, but I think Melissa wins that game, and Salina will finish third in the district. Like I said, make it somewhere three or four rounds deep in the playoffs. With um, with Argyle, yeah. Let's shift gears then to talk about the other, you know, the other well well known, revered program in that district, the Argyle Eagles. Um, you know, you mentioned you know Slime going three rounds deep, and that's mm-hmm. that's something that I mean, I think you, by you know by any standard, if you can get three rounds deep in the playoffs, you're, you know, regardless of classification, that's I mean, that's beyond a successful season for for a lot of programs. I'm gonna look up this stat. I have a stat for you that Coach Elliott told me a couple years ago, mm-hmm. or a couple few months ago. Keep talking. Okay. So it's but you know I say that but like with Argyle and kind of the uh, the the storyline hitting into the season is that it feels like for them you know with as much success as Argyle has had you know over the last you know seven eight, you know ten years and whatnot mm-hmm. it feels like you know just the kind of the general vibe is that they're going to be left a little bit of meat on the bone in these last these last couple years and I say that for a team that you know they went twelve and one last year and they went eleven and one the year before that um, but. Preceding those two years, Argyle made it to the state championship game four times in five years, including winning the whole thing. And I believe it was 2013. I want to say, but um, you know, so in a sense, though, when you're accustomed to when you go that kind of stretch playing at least you know six rounds deep in the playoffs, and then you you know these past two years they've bowed out in the regional semifinal round. That's essentially cutting those playoff runs in half. And like I said, while that is a uh, you know three rounds deep is a successful benchmark for a lot of programs, Argyle is not most programs. They hold themselves to a far higher standard. They are they're basically the equivalent of like what Allen is in six A or what Highland Park is in five A. Although I guess from a from an enrollment standpoint they're probably a bit more akin to like a South Lake Carroll. Like I was I didn't realize like until like you know, looking it up recently, like Argyle was only like eight hundred and fifty kids, you know, well below the the uh, you know the cutoff line. But um, still, that's you know been pound for pound the uh, the best athletics program in all of Class Four A, and the football program is is no different. Um, you know, so the the big storyline is kind of one that's not really going to reveal itself, I would say, until November. And you know, in Argyle's case, you would you would think you know December, depending on how far they're able to play. But you know, because these past two years, you know, they they went undefeated each of the past two regular seasons. So on paper, you know, things were, you know, were going smoothly heading into the playoffs. Now, they did have a key injury at quarterback last year when, um, you know, John Copeland, you know, last year started, got hurt um, in week eight, I want to say it was, so like right up against the uh, the start of the postseason. Now, do you think they win the state championship if he doesn't go down? Um, I know the expectation was that they were kind of the, I think they entered the playoffs as the number three ranked team in the uh, in the state. Now, that's all a 4 I forget off the top who have one and two, where they fell, whether it was in D1 or D2 or whatnot, but, I mean, it was, it was our I mean, they enter every season among the on that short list of favorites to win a state championship, as their you know their track record, as I've mentioned, would uh, you know would suggest. Um, but you know, last year they uh, you know they they very well could have. They I mean they tripped up in that third round against Stephenville, another quality program with plenty of uh, plenty of tradition. That game was um, you know thirty one to twenty eight in a game that um, of all things it was special teams execution that kind of got the better of uh, of Argyle. I believe they had uh, multiple blocked field goals and wound up being a uh, you know a three point 
point game. So you look at what Stephen was able to do with that. They believe they went to the state semifinals, and I mean, if, if Argyle's able to get past that, who knows what happens? But you know, with you know to go, you know, two straight years, you know, exiting in the third round for a program that you know has designs on playing, you know, three, you know, three rounds, you know, further than that. You know, I think Argyle is hoping that this is you know kind of laid out like the the blueprint is there for them to mm-hmm. to make a serious run to get that. Uh, you know, I believe it would just be their second ever state championship this year. Um, like I said, the roadmap is there. They have 15 starters back, you know, which is always always to your benefit, including you know the bulk of their offensive line. Which, if I mean, if you have an advantage in the trenches, that right there alone can be such a massive, you know, swing in a, in a lot of you know closely knit competitive matchups on paper. Um, they do have, as we just mentioned, you know, Chase Petter, the uh, the reigning. He was actually named the Class 4A Defensive Player of the Year of you know the entire classification, not just the uh, you know not just his district. They do have um you know it sounds like at least based on from what I've you know heard from you know one of our other reporters Taylor Raglan that the quarterback situation is still you know a little bit um up in the air you know they have the you know the uh, you know the kid who filled in last year for John Copeland Hayden Clearman who was able to you know hold his own was able to get them to that third round of the playoffs just fine now he filled in for them two years ago also too right because I understand they had a starting quarterback in 2016 that got hurt Ooh, that's a good he, question he got hurt against Salina because I was at that game it was like third game in the year so it was a long time ago almost two years ago and then I think it was Hayden Clearman that stepped up he was a sophomore at the time I want to say okay smaller kid like mm-hmm. a five eight five because Copeland wasn't with the program back then he transferred in from Liberty Christian okay. I believe so yeah, they had a different quarterback and he got hurt and then Clearman came in but you know Clearman was I guess just always been the backup mm-hmm. quarterback but he's been a good athlete yeah. but I, I yeah, not as good as Copeland and that athleticism is you know like I said there's a bit of a competition yeah. there quarterback so if you know depending on where you know whether Clearman's the starting quarterback or not mm-hmm. it does sound like he will at least have a role within that offense able to be you know deployed elsewhere um, the other quarterbacks that are in the mix what I've been told are Bo Hogaboom Hunter Martindale so I mean they've got they've got some options but obviously you want to get that get that locked down but again it's a pretty it's a pretty veteran you know cast you know elsewhere and um, you know the secondary has got a lot of experience and maturity as well we've already mentioned Chase Petter who's you know pound for pound one of the best defensive of players in the entire in the entire four A classification, so the roadmap is there. You'll actually gonna, you're actually going to get a glimpse early on as to whether or not you know as to you know how they uh, whether or not this this top ranking you know obviously mm-hmm. to their own doing or not is uh, is justified because they have an absolute gauntlet of a non district schedule. Um, they open up against, ironically enough, Stephenville, the same team that bounced them from the playoffs. Stephenville, a state semifinalist from last year. Then the following week, they play Waco La Vega, another state semifinalist, a team that actually on um, the last time Argyle, I believe the last time they did make it to the state title game was um, I believe in 2014 I want to say, and it was against La Vega in a game that I was at down in Houston just an incredible, an incredible thriller of a game that uh, La Vega wound up winning, and um, and then their last non-district game is against uh, Texarkana Liberty Ilu, which made it three rounds deep so you see, I mean, you see they've just loaded that non-district schedule with some quality opponents and, you know, some of whom they could very well see in the playoffs because while, you know, you you know, you feel justified in placing a state title or bust expectation on Argyle, given the standard that they uh, that Coach Todd Rogers, you know, and the uh, Eagles hold themselves to. Um, region two is going to be a gauntlet in the in Class Four A because not only do they share the same region with the aforementioned programs like Stephenville, La Vega, but also Kennedale, which made a great run as well. So, I mean, I said much like Salina, you know, capable of getting three rounds deep, and then once you start facing the elite of the elite in that uh, in that region, you know, who knows? So, like I said, the the roadmap is there for Argyle, but I mean, you could say you could could very well have said the same thing last year. So it'll be interesting to see. But yes, whether or not the Argyle, whether or not Argyle can become the the Argyle of old, which by old I mean three years ago. 
So um, that's a look at at least the uh, the three Class 4A teams that are in our coverage area. Did you find that stat? I found it. Took nice. forever, but I what found you got? It. So just 24 11-man teams out of the 3,263 public schools in Texas have advanced to the third round of the postseason each of the past four seasons. Salina is one of those teams. Wow. That is some consistency right yeah. there. <laughs> That's why you just say they'll go three rounds deep. As if yeah. It's just <laughs> it's, a, it's just, a given that they'll yeah. go three rounds deep. Yeah. So, um, but I wanted to just really qu- quickly hit on the game because y'all kind of alluded to your games to watch and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to real quick with with Sunnyvale. Uh, they should be well tested. Uh, they opened the season with Kemp, mm-hmm. who was a state semifinalist in 3A Division One last year. Uh, they played a good Glen Rose team in Week Four, uh, but their district opener. Um, October 12th against Caddo Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I think a lot of those teams are pretty evenly matched, but I think getting off to a good start in district and, and be able to get out to that 1-0 and then kind of put themselves in a position, because you can lose a district championship in the first game, Yeah, essentially, especially if the team you play is, is a co-favorite that goes on to win it all. But what I, I, what the reason I say that is when you look at the first-round matchup against 6-4-8 Division II, um, Here's the, the Texas High School uh, Region 2 rankings for um, preseason. Number one, Gilmer. Number two, Texarkana Liberty Ilu. Yep. And tied for number two is Texarkana Pleasant Grove. <laughs> All three of those teams are in that district, oh. us by district mm, matchups. And the likely fourth place team out of that, out of that group, Pittsburgh, is ranked number nine. Mm-hmm. The highest ranked team from 5 4A wow. is Sunnyvale at number 10. So, not to take any away from Pittsburgh, but, you know, you look at those top three teams with the two Texarkana schools and Gilmer, mm-hmm. you know, a team that's won three state I mean, they've been to five state title games since 2004, won three of them. Now, obviously, like you said, Pleasant Grove is the reigning champion, went 16-0 and last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are three daunting first-round matchups. Absolutely. So, if you, wow. don't, if you ever needed more incentive to get that district championship and that first seed in the playoffs, there it is, folks. <laughs> a chance to move to the area round. <laughs> So let's look at least the Sunnyvale uh, marquee game. We've got our own marquee games, one for Solano, one for Argyle, and we will get to those in a bit after a word from this sponsor. Today's student-athlete spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest-rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, you can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow-roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back to continue our look at um, Star Local Media's Class 4A high school football representation for the upcoming season. You know, like I've said, this podcast is focused primarily on Argyle, Salina, Sunnyvale. Um, you know, we are now going to dive into um, a couple of the uh, the key games to watch on the schedule for the you know for a gridiron preview for each district. We pick five key games to watch. Well, for this, we're just going to give you one, the one marquee game to watch for uh, you know if you're a Salina fan or if you're an Argyle fan. So, Brian, what is the one game that every Salina Bobcat fans should have on their radars in that district this season. I just want to say I'm glad we're giving Salina some love. That's this right. podcast. Every every podcast is... It's a lot of 6A, 5A stuff, it's, so yeah. yeah it's, it's long overdue that we give the yeah. 4A schools. When I talk Salina, it's Prosper, so we're talking Salina. This is good. Uh, I know I've bashed Salina to its core <laughs> in the first segment, saying that they would finish third. We've already been banned from the town. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, there's going to be a sign on Preston Road saying, Brian Murphy, turn around, or yeah. whatever, you know. But anyway, so I, I, made, I talked a bit about Salina versus Melissa, and that was uh, kind of a shocking game. Uh, you know, one of the few regular season Salina games I actually got to go to last year because they, you know, they win a lot of their regular season games. Yeah. So I don't really 
you know, go out and cover them a, a whole lot until the, the postseason where they really shine. Uh, but this year there's a lot of marquee games, as we talked about mm-hmm. before. And Melissa and Argyle, you can even say Paris would be a, a big game. A lot of people are picking them uh, to make the playoffs in that district, somewhere around the fourth spot. Uh, but that's the history with Salina and Argyle, Salina owned it from 2004 to 2008. They played three times. Salina won all three. And then Argyle's dominated ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, they've won uh, six of the last seven meetings uh, between the two teams, including the last two. Uh, they've been blowout fashion. You know, last year was the closest one. Solana lost 49-34. Uh, but the year before that, uh, it wasn't pretty. And then actually, Solana, there was a you know a bu- you know uh, an off year in that in that trend in 2015 when Solana made it to the state championship game. You know, they flipped the script and beat Argyle, but it was only by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bef- you know, every other game after that, Argyle's won by double digits. So this is you know it's a back and forth rivalry. It's definitely a rivalry between the two teams. You know, when you have two. Powerhouses colliding, you know, uh, something's got to give. But you know, it's it's been a blowout fashion either way. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this year it's not another blowout. But you know, like I said in the first segment, it could be ugly. But Slot Argyle always fun to watch, even though it's lopsided either way. For my uh, for my game, the game to watch, at least on on Argyle's schedule. Um, you know, we've alluded to Melissa and just the uh, I mean, just the season that they've had. I mean, the, Melissa's been on the uh, on the come up these last uh, you know couple of years, as far as reemerging as a, uh, as a as a dominant power. They went twelve and two last season, advanced to the uh, the state quarterfinals, and now to um, to work them and Salina into the same district as Argyle. Um, um, my my crosshairs are zeroed in on that October twenty sixth matchup, Argyle at Melissa. Um, it'll be um, unlike you know Argyle. Salina, you know these two teams don't see each other all too frequently. This is the, the first time since uh, since 2013 that they'll have played. Argyle is two and zero against uh, against the Melissa Cardinals. But um, obviously, when you factor in you know the the standard the uh, the benchmark that Argyle sets in a program like Melissa that is you know looking to get to that level, this is very much a uh, kind of a proving ground game for Melissa versus one of the premier programs in all of Class 4A. Um, it's October 26, and that's I think to the benefit of getting a better game because you're going to get teams that are late enough into the season where you're not going to be working out any of this. If this was like the district opener, it would be a little bit of a different landscape. Like you said, Devin, with, you know, you can lose a, uh, you know, just title that first week, but um, you know, if you get a matchup later in the season, um, you know, you've worked out any kinks and you have an idea of what you are, and you know, you've got plenty of time to, you know, to you know to prepare for this one. So I'm, um, you know, we've uh, we've kind of intimated that we think Argyle is kind of the is the favorite to win this district. Could very well be the favorite to win the uh, you know the state championship. But um, with Melissa and the stride that they've made, um, it's a Melissa team that should be plenty potent this year. Um, you know, they return you know 14 starters from last year's state quarterfinalist team. So um, yeah, I think. I think uh, there's a good chance that this game could very well uh, produce the district champion, and that's always going to be a, a nice little subplot to any any game on the uh, on the schedule. So let's um, so let's kind of segue right from that to then. Um, you know, we've kind of laid out um, you know kind of what we expect out of these teams for this season. Now we're going to throw out the uh, a prediction, and how do we think that the uh, these standings are going to finish, at least within the top four? Which which four teams do we see making the playoffs out of the two districts that we have been discussing? Brian, where did you fall on this? Argyle, Melissa, Salina, probably Paris, mm-hmm. maybe Anna. Okay. Anything specific that contributed to that? Uh, was it was it tough at all to put Salina third, or is it because it's just? It, I'd be it's, fascinated to find the last time that even happened. It is because it's Salina. Yeah. But that district, you know, there, there's a lot of ranting and raving about those top two teams. Obviously, Argyle is number one, but you know, Melissa is. You know, they're going to be a really, really good football team this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they could give Argyle a really Really good game, you know, especially late in the year. That could be a you know a little gear up for the playoff type deal. But 
But they could even be a better Salina team than you've seen in two or three years ago. It just so happens they're running up against a tougher distance. Yeah, yeah, very true. I um I had the same exact yeah. <laughs> listing for years. I went to Sentiment. I think Argyle is going to win. Argyle has all right. I found the stat. Argyle hasn't lost a district game since two thousand and eight. November 7th. Before last year, Salina had lost a district game in four or five years. Yeah. So, you know, some... But, I mean, it was ironically... Some are meant to be broken. It was ironically enough, um, Solana that was the one that handed them that first uh, that district loss all the way back right, in November. my prediction. November 7th. Going 16-0. They're blowing out Argyle. Um, so, yeah, I've got Argyle finishing first. I have Melissa second as well, as I've alluded to. Um, Solana, yeah, again, it just felt weird. I just had to be fascinated to find out the last time that Solana, you know, finished third in a district to begin with. And then um, Paris got, them, got a, you know, got my nod for that last spot. Um, they went 7-4 and four last year, you know, a quality, you know, quality yeah. season by their standards. Um, they have... 10 all-district selections back, so it should be a, uh, I know they got, like, I think all but, like, three starters in the defense are coming back as well, so it's a team that's got enough experience to where I think they should be able to slide right in, and they've got a good track record against, like, Anna and, you know, Paris North, Lamar, or whatnot, the rest of the district, so. To know, Melissa's quarterback is really good. Have y'all seen him play or anything? You know, I I saw him play once, and that was all I needed to see. You know, he just tore up Salina. I saw him actually playing basketball against Salina also. He's just a really good athlete, mm-hmm. you know, tall kid. He's you know, he's got a perfect quarterback body, over six foot tall. He does it all. I I mean, I can't wait to watch him play uh, again. I, I mean, he'll probably be against Salina. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hurt <laughs> the Bobcats too bad. But he's a really exciting player mm-hmm. to watch. So then, Devin, where did you fall on your projected top four for five A, five four A? I should say, Division Two. Yeah, um, I, I think I have my four. You know, this is just a six team district, yeah. and so again, I, I kind of mentioned earlier uh, the Beta community and, and uh, Roosevelt coming off three and seven seasons, and it's just that's a pretty big turnaround to expect, especially when you have four. I think pretty evenly matched quality teams. Uh, even if you look at the high school coaches uh, region two poll, uh, Sunnyville checks in at number ten, but right behind them in receiving votes is Farmersville and Cattle Mills. <laughs> I mean, so even in that coach's poll, they're all evenly, you know, pretty evenly stacked. Um, I- I'm going to go with Sunnyvale just because it's not a homer pick. It's just a team I know best. And I do think they have the potential out there. I think I've seen what they've been able to, what Coach John Settle and that staff's been able to build in terms of a winning tradition for still what's relatively a young program. Um, I- again, there's, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And this could be one of those districts where the district champion has one loss. Um, but I'll go them first. Um, I think Cattle Mills, um, again, I've heard a lot of good things about Peyton Hammonds, uh, their star running back. I think they get second, followed closely by Farmersville. And uh, Lincoln, you know, it's, it's really hard to gauge those Dallas ISD teams sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were a playoff team a year ago. They have 14 starters back. So, you know, slide them into fourth. But it wouldn't surprise me if they finish in any sort of order. I just, that would, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not the fourth at the end of the year. Okay. Sunnyvale's going to give him a parade, and I'm going to be going to do thanks to the face. You're going to drive right in, and you're going to have pitchforks yeah. and torches <laughs> and everything. And. <laughs> Oh, so that is a uh, that is a look at um, what to expect, at least out of the uh, the three Class 4A schools that are in our coverage area for this upcoming season. We've got uh, the rest of the way. It's going to be all 5A and 6A, so we will be back on uh, on Monday. Or at least you guys will be back. I'll be on vacation. <laughs> um, so nevertheless, folks, hey, appreciate you all for checking this out. This has been Matt Welch with Star Local Media. Brian, Devin, appreciate you all for tagging along. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. 
Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.